Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Thank you so much for joining us today on WellMed Radio. Delighted to have you on board. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. Dr. Charles is a doctor of osteopathy and a WellMed primary care physician in San Antonio, Texas. And we are always delighted to have her on board as our co-host here on WellMed Radio. And we're going to take up a topic, Dr. Charles, that I'm sure a lot of your patients think about, and that's chest pain. Well, there's so many different things that can cause a person to have chest pain. And of course, you worry about the the one that can kill you first. You know, you always want to make sure that you identify patients that have heart disease and, um, you know, trying to figure out if chest pain could be cardiac versus other um, other things that can cause it. And so I think it's a great topic for us to talk about today with Dr. Monto. Well, we've got a special guest joining us, Dr. Lance Monto. Uh, Dr. Monto is a physician at WellMed in Dripping Springs, not far from Austin, Texas, earned his medical degree from Sanford School of Medicine in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, completed his internal medicine residency at Sanford School of Medicine. He is board certified in internal medicine. And as he told us off the air, spent most of his life growing up in the great state of Montana and now finds himself in the hill country. Looks just like Montana, I'm sure. Dr. Monto, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you coming on WellMed Radio. I'm happy to be here to talk about one of my favorite subjects for sure. And that favorite subject is chest pain. It is. I mean, it, it presents itself so often. And of course, uh, whenever anyone, patients, and typically it's family members, uh, even in my own family, it's something that you know comes up from time to time. Uh, certainly when we are not in medicine, we do tend to think, you know, in dire straits terms, usually, oh, I'm having some chest pain immediately the focus goes to the heart. So then, of course, our job in medicine is uh, one ruling out, you know, the serious thing, which of course is the heart, you know, that's our, our number one main concern to make sure that that is not the cause, that that is not the reason. Um, again, when we are not in medicine, we tend to think that there's uh, an equal, like um, what would be an example, like a cough, for example, a cough is such a general general thing, but it could be a cough from a cold, it could be a cough from asthma, it could be a cough because you have COPD, et cetera. So when it comes to chest pain in a similar way, uh, there's a lot of different reasons that we have it. And again, our main focus is looking at ruling out, as we say in medicine, to make sure that it is not the serious thing, which is the heart. So I'll basically just jump right into that. And so when I'm thinking in terms of the heart, you know, number one, do they smoke? Um, does this patient smoke? We use the term pack years, like a pack a day for 10 years is 10 pack years. So if they come in and they've got chest pain and they have a 20 pack year smoking history, and then you find out that one of their parents had a heart attack at age 50, and you look on there and you see that they're 52, certainly, for example, that that's uh, certainly at the forefront of our minds as a cause there. Um, certain other symptoms that you know patients experience you know i'll say to them you know they'll come in of course you know concerned about chest pain and then immediately i'm asking them you know is it is it like this pressure is it like an elephant sitting on your chest um you know do you feel nauseated you know and then the other aspect is sweating uh what we re 
we call diaphoresis in the medical world, but um, that would be your classic heart presentation right there. If I see that, uh, I won't see that necessarily as much in the clinic. I think if somebody had all of those symptoms, the constellation of symptoms, they would probably in many cases report to the emergency department because again, most people, their, their main concern typically is their heart as the cause. Uh, certainly their age plays a part. I mean, you're not at 20 years old necessarily going to have you know, a heart attack. That's just very, very, that's just, we just don't really see that. Um, so that would be the main, the main cause right there. So usually though, what I run into is that it's a musculoskeletal issue. So maybe they recently had a cold and they're coughing a lot. So then the chest wall gets inflamed and then they'll feel, oh, I've got chest pain. So then, and I can do this over the phone even, or on a telemedicine visit. I'm like, well, is it like a sharp pain? Well, yeah, it is, which is not how the heart presents. Uh, is it worse when you turn? Well, yeah, it is. So there's a positional aspect. So certainly that takes away from the heart as well. Um, did you by any chance take an ibuprofen? Well, I did. Did it get better? Well, yeah, it did. So that's your classic musculoskeletal. It's a positional pain. It's sharp. We've all experienced this at different times in our lives, even to the point where you take a breath and it hurts. You get that, get that stabbing type pain in your chest wall. Certainly it's unnerving, but again, it's the constellation of symptoms. You know, do you smoke? Do you have a family history? Um, another one that comes up, you know, as a cause of chest pain is anxiety. And the tricky part about anxiety is it's similar to heart, um, the heart being the problem in the sense that it is a pressure sensation similar to when the heart is the problem. Uh, but it's different, you know, they won't have, for example, typically the smoke in history, they will not have, for example, the family history. And then if they do have a history of anxiety, many times they'll have a medication such as Advan, Xanax, one of those. And I'll say, well, why don't you take one? Or did you take one? Well, I did. Did you notice that that chest pressure is, is better? It's improved. Well, yeah, it is. You know, and this, you know, this does show itself quite a bit, you know, one third of emergency department visits for chest pain are in fact anxiety. Uh, so it comes up a lot. And if you go to the emergency department and you talk about or complain about chest pain, I mean, you are going to get an EKG immediately, which is a very, very good test and lets us know right away, is there something, you know, catastrophic number one or something that just does not look right. Uh, so right, let me interrupt you for just a moment. I want to let folks know who may have just joined us. You're listening to WellMed Radio, and we're talking on our WellMed Radio hotline with Dr. Lance Monto. He is a physician at the WellMed Clinic in Dripping Springs, board certified in internal medicine. And our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles, is with us as well. I'm Ron Aaron, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. Let's come back, Dr. Monto. I, I do have a quick question uh, because th there's a difference sometimes between the way women are diagnosed and men are diagnosed when it comes to chest pain and heart attacks. I've got a, a good friend here in San Antonio, a, a woman uh, who ultimately was diagnosed with a heart attack, uh, but for several visits uh, to the ER, uh, they never even thought that she was having a heart attack because her symptoms weren't typical. Uh, are those differences something that more and more emergency room physicians and others are aware of now? First off, that is an excellent point. Um, it is an excellent question. It does come up from time to time, not only women, but for example, if you have diabetes and you are a male, your presentation may not necessarily be the same. 
that's where it's really, again, going back to the smoking history, the family history. Um, I had an interesting visit some time ago where I, I do some telemedicine visits. You know, we are a team in WellMed, so we help out other clinics wherever we can. I love to do it. I love to help out. Um, and I love medicine for that matter. Uh, but a lady came in and she thought, you know, the complaint was something like this particular medication is causing job pain. And I thought, okay, but then she said, and well, then I asked her, well, when do you notice it? Well, when I'm up kind of moving around the house. And so that's where Dr. Montel's flag goes up right there. And Your little spidey sense. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so, uh, so then I said, well, do you notice, does it get better when you sit down? Well, yeah, it does. As a matter of fact. Okay. So that right there is, is leading me towards Angina and I'm quite concerned, uh, you know, so Angina being that's the medical term, obviously, but that's chest pain where whenever you are physically doing something, you're increasing the load on the heart. So then the oxygen requirement goes up. But then if you have plaque in those arteries, Normally, maybe you have a river, but instead you have a stream, so you're not getting as much ox- much oxygen. And in she, in her case, she did not actually have the chest pain. She was only noticing it in her jaw because, again, going back to the constellation of symptoms, chest pain, but then also radiation into the jaw or to the arm. So in her case, that's all she was getting was this this sensation in her jaw on one side. And so I immediately suspected. Of course, that this was coronary artery disease, that it was undiagnosed. I did a stat um, clinic visit set up uh, with the cardiologist. He took one look at her and she ended up going um, and having some stents placed. So, um, wow. And the stents would open up her arteries? That's exactly right. So, they go in there uh, with the left heart cath, they'll go in through the leg and go up into the heart. It's really Star Trek medicine, as I like to call it. And so, they go in there and they'll They'll, first off, they do what we call an angioplasty, so they'll stretch out the artery. This is the one of the coronary arteries. Uh, and then they'll put a stent in to hold that area open. And I'm glad we're talking about the subject because it's very important for people who have had stents. And that is the stent, and they'll show it to you. I mean, some patients, they've seen them. They're just tiny little things. They look like a little cage. Uh, so they'll put that in there. And again, it keeps that, that part of the artery open. Um, and then they need to be on an anticoagulant. They need to be on a blood thinner because if you just put a stent in and leave them alone, the platelets going through the body, they'll see that metal, for lack of a better word, and they'll want to form a clot there. So yeah, it's I a will foreign body. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's exactly right. And it, those platelets are just doing their job. Oh, if we have a cut, we need to form a clot. Well, we do not want a clot there in our heart. So then that's where when patients are put on these blood thinners following stent placement, I always tell them, look, if you run out on a Friday, do not wait till Monday. This is very, very, very important. Then what happens over about a year time, a medical term is endothelialization, quite a mouthful. But basically it's kind of like when you're on the beach and you put your feet in the sand and they kind of disappear. And that's what that little stent will do over about a year's time. And then the cell wall will come in around it. So then I tell patients, now, if you made yourself really small and you went in that artery, you wouldn't actually see the metal anymore after about a year. Mm-hmm. So, and then again, it's, it's an amazing thing that we can do for patients to put stents. Well, do the stents have to be redone over time? Do they uh, ultimately weaken? Typically not. Uh, sometimes what we run into though, is the coronary artery disease is ongoing. So maybe a patient has one or two stents placed. And then sometime later, it might be 15 years, 10 years. If they have not stopped smoking, if they have not 
lower their cholesterol as per recommendations. So that's where the cholesterol medications come in to lower. And, and sometimes, you know, and that is a question, you know, can you reverse the plaque formation? It does appear that, you know, we can, that's an ongoing thing, but certainly, absolutely the statin medications, Crestor, Lipitor, they've made a tremendous difference in survival for patients who were, of course, having heart attacks with the plaque build I know we're going to come right back to you, Dr. Charles, hang in there. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to WellMed Radio. We're delighted to have uh, with us on our WellMed Radio hotline, Dr. Lance Monto. He's at the WellMed Clinic at Dripping Springs, not far from Austin, Texas. Dr. Marisa Charles, our co-host, is here as well. We thank you for listening to WellMed Radio. Did you know people with Medicare may switch to Medicare Advantage plan with the rating of five stars anytime during the year? Plans are rated from one to five stars on how well they manage preventive care, such as screenings and immunizations, chronic conditions such as diabetes, heart disease, and respiratory illnesses, and their customers' experience. Five-star plans don't cost more. For links to Medicare plan information and more, visit wellmed365.com. The sun gonna shine in my back door someday, just you wait and see. We're so pleased you were sticking with us right here on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles, and we're talking on our WellMed Radio hotline with Dr. Lance Monto. He is a board-certified physician in internal medicine. You find him at the WellMed Clinic in Dripping Springs, Texas, which in and of itself is a great name for a town. Uh, In fact, there's a new vodka named after Dripping Springs, Texas. Not that I'd ever tried it, but I've seen it on the shelf. And Dr. Monto, we've been talking about chest pain, heart attacks. And and one of the questions that always comes up is self-diagnosis. Whenever we have chest pain, as you pointed out very early in this program, uh, we as civilians, as patients, always think, oh, my God, it's a heart attack. Well, what should we look at? What should we think about men and women in determining whether or not it is a heart attack? So when we look at risk factors, certainly our age uh, really plays a part. If we're 20 years old and having chest pain, the, you know, for example, the, the chances of having a heart attack are extremely remote. Now, if we're 60 years old, and we have chest pain and we do not have, you know, maybe it's a pressure sensation. And for example, we smoked for 10 years, even though maybe we quit 15 years ago. Uh, we know maybe we're carrying some extra weight, that sort of thing. Then that's certainly we would want to follow up with that. Um, uh, you know, one of the questions is, you know, we're getting back to when we were discussing the symptoms with women, you know, what if a woman does not have chest pain? You know, I mentioned the jaw pain. Um, Sometimes we just get a feeling of malaise, and that might be it, where we just do not feel good. Um, I, of course, as a physician working for over 10 years now, I've seen thousands of patients, so I've seen a lot of uh, presentations, and one of them was an active heart attack where the only sign was uh, a, a drop in blood pressure. That was it. There was, wow. there was nothing else, and this was a male where we would expect typically to have you know, at least some chest pain, some nausea, some sweating, for example. Um, but in his case, it was just a drop in blood pressure. Now you would feel that though. You, you would notice that you feel dizzy or lightheaded or just something isn't right. So whenever we have that something isn't right feeling, and again, we're maybe advanced in age, that's something to definitely pay attention to. Uh, we touched on it uh, a little bit. Um, we were discussing 
there's a recent article as far as stress and the heart and, you know, going way back to med school, you know, one of the things you're typical, they give you these vignettes as they like to say, but they're little stories and they give you a lot of clues. They have to really make it obvious back then when you're first entering medicine, but you know, the type A personality. So this is the hard driver and, you know, got to get this done and they're very intense and, you know, cause a lot of things go with that personality. Uh, maybe we can, for a hard driver, we might be a little stubborn. Maybe we smoke or something like that. Uh, there was mention of, you know, the time of day, for example, uh, in those classic stories, it would be often earlier in the morning. Yeah, I was asking you, why is it that it seems heart attacks hit early in the morning? I, you know, I don't know. Um, I've not seen a study. I mean, possibly there's one out there, but in the medical world, uh, the term, if you see a study, you want randomized, um, uh, double blind. If you see something that says that, then, then that's a study to take seriously. Um, as far as the time of day, uh, that, that heart attack I mentioned earlier, that was about midnight. As a matter of fact, that was about midnight at one in the morning. Uh, I was, I was the lucky resident on call in the hospital. <laughs> So, um, and then another aspect that, you know, will show itself is the weather, like cold weather in particular. Um, a friend of mine from high school uh, just recently, very sadly lost her husband and he was out hunting in his 60s. Uh, obviously it's cold outside, this was up north. So, um, and it, he's all of a sudden had a heart attack. And, and remember while we were on the subject of heart attacks of myocardial infarctions, as we say medically, uh, 50% present with sudden death. So if someone has a heart attack, we in medicine, we only see the other 50%. So, so wait a minute, say, say that again, because I don't want that number to just slip away. 50% of people who have a heart attack die. That's, that's correct. And we have all known, I mean, even me personally, myself, I've, I've known possibly 10, 10 people or so. Uh, good friends or relatives, you know, that sort of thing. So, yes, that's what happens is half the time when you find out you have heart diseases, when you pass away, suddenly, you know, it's the chest pain and that's it. You know, um, it's it's a very, I mean, you're talking number. about like, like massive heart attacks, like, you know, Widowmaker type the, uh, you know, the blood vessel gets clogged in a, you know, short period of time. And um, I mean, I do have actually, you know, a couple of friends that I've known and, you know, one guy was in his forties wow. um, that passed away that way. See, that's a very um, sexist term, widow maker. Well, but, but it's so common because it's, it seems to be mostly guys. Well, I mean, heart disease is uh, very present in women as well, you know, and it, which is why there's that whole go red, you know, campaign with the American heart association right. where, you know, the little red dress, I don't know if you've seen that little campaign, sure. but um, it tend it does sometimes go um, unrecognized in women. Um, and another thing is, you know, like like Dr. Monto was saying, that cholesterol medication 
has made such a big difference in reducing death um, and, uh, you know, and problems from heart disease. But I still have so many patients that are reluctant to take it. And I have had so many conversations till I'm blue in the face. And some people just decide that they don't want to have the medication or think that it's big pharma or, or some kind of brainwashing that is you know, trying to get us to get them to take that medication. But I, I try to explain that the studies all showed such a significant change in the, the survival from heart disease and from heart attacks when that particular class of medication came on the scene. See, I'm in the other category. I, I take sympostatin uh, oh, yeah. uh, as a cholesterol preventative. Uh, and I, I say to myself, how could this tiny little pill be that effective? Maybe I should take two or three. Just kidding, <laughs> no, doctor. Ron, no. <laughs> Just kidding, Don't doctor. Do but, but really, <laughs> that little tiny pill, if you've never taken it, uh, you know, it's about the size of the head of a pin, a little bigger. Uh, how does that How does that do what it does? I was actually my last year of med school, and I, I was following or shadowing, as we say, this uh, physician who'd been practicing maybe 30 years. And I just asked him one day, I said, what have you noticed personally? And he said, you know, years ago, you saw people just pass away all the time with heart attacks, all the time. He said, and then statins came on the scene. And I want to say it's about 1991, roughly was the first one. I want to say that was pravastatin, um, which is the most studied, the most tolerated. It's a very, it's very, it's a very good statin, although it's not that strong compared to like Crestor or Lipitor. And he said, and once they came on the scene, it was like a, a, a glacial change as far as what he saw with his own eyes. And we can hear wow. a lot of things, we can read a lot of things, but what do we see with our own eyes? And he saw the difference and he was in a smaller town. And so he knew a lot of um, you know, people personally, of course, and the patients quite well and that sort of thing. That's really a testimonial that uh, validates uh, what changes we have seen. And, and yet, as you were saying, Dr. Charles, there are people who are resistant. Look, there are people who don't want to get the uh, uh, COVID vaccine. Uh, and then you read all these stories, they end up in the hospital, and then they say, I, oh, boy, I wish I'd had it. It's tragic. Um, but, you know, we continue to to try to encourage our patients. And and I will say, at this point, you know, it's few. It's it's not the, the majority. I would say the majority of my patients have had their vaccines and Good. maybe not the booster, but but have had a lot of the, the vaccines. And, and I'm not seeing as many of my patients ending up in the hospital. And I know we digressed to, to COVID, well, okay. which is ever present because right now we're having such a surge in San Antonio. But, um, oh, I wanted to mention one other potential cause of chest pain that I personally experience now and again, and that's esophageal spasms. And I certainly have had, um, you know, sometimes it's GI that can trigger um, the pain because I, you know, heart's pretty healthy, but there are definitely times where I'll have that experience and Tums or, or you know, Maalox or Pepto or, you know, something along those lines will soothe it and will calm it for me. But that's definitely something that I have been, that I have had many patients experience and that I personally have experienced. Uh, there's one other one that I was thinking of, and I've seen this maybe twice in all these years of practicing, and that is shingles, actually. So oh, yeah. one of the things I do personally, if somebody comes in my office and they you know, are mentioning chest pain, I always look at the skin right, right here. So I'll, I'll just ask them, can I just look at the skin right on top where you're having the chest pain? 
And so that, you know, that's the singles. And then I also will press because then I'm also ruling out the musculoskeletal aspect because then I can reproduce it. If I can press and reproduce it, certainly it's not the heart at all. So that shingles does play a part. And the other thing is shingles does not cross the center line. So it'll just be on one side or the other. So once I've certainly seen message. that before. Wow. So or, we're or with the patients, sometimes they start with the pain with shingles before the rash comes on. Oh. So I've certainly seen that before too. Well, there's another reason to get the shingles vaccine. I've, I've had them both. So Dr. Monto, before we let you go, we got about a minute left. Uh, let's, let's get back to when should I call the doctor? When should I call 911? Uh, you don't want to go to the hospital if you don't have to. When do you make that call? So mainly, you know, we look in terms of family history. Do we have a family history of heart disease, particularly in our parents? Um, are we at an age, you know, where we're not as young anymore, maybe older than 50, older than 40, for example? Are we a smoker? I mean, that the smoking aspect is, is tremendous as far as heart disease. Absolutely tremendous. So if we have those risk factors, but now let's just say we're 30 years old and we can turn and twist and it's a sharp pain, then certainly it's just not going to be the heart. It's just the heart does not present like that. By the same token, don't be afraid to ask for help. Absolutely. I, I quote to patients all the time, we always err on the side of caution. And there is a military term that I'm going to use, and that is eternal vigilance is the price of safety. And that is absolutely, utterly true when it comes to chest pain and coronary artery disease. Got to stop you right there. We're flat out of time. Appreciate you coming on. Enjoyed it very much and learned a lot. Dr. Lance Monteau, he's at the Wilmot Clinic at Dripping Springs. For Dr. Marisa Charles, our co-host, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us right here on Wellmed Radio. Executive producers for Wellmed Radio are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker. And associate producers are Natalie Ibera and Maurice Hudson. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Wellmed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.